This is the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast, powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, with my co-host... Kathy Waite. Kathy Waite. Um, we are here with Episode 3 of um, our podcast. <clears throat> if you listened to the previous episode, Episode 2, we touched on um, the first three elements of our six, which make up the six in Session 6, of our kind of our training philosophy or our pillars of fitness and maximizing one's um, ability. So a quick recap, episode two, the the first three we talked about were the on-bike or in-training aspects. Principles. Principles, which are aerobic conditioning, muscular strength, and skill proficiency. Um, This episode, we want to talk about the off-bike or kind of in-between training session principles that... um, athletes need to really incorporate to get the most out of themselves. Um, so those three are uh, nutrition, diet nutrition, um, stress management, and then the sixth one is mental fitness, which is like the psychological side of sport. Um, so we'll get into that. And also, um, if you find our discussion interesting, I forgot to mention this on our episode two, but we have articles on our um, in our blog on our website endurance.session6.com, and it's actually right the front page, homepage, like sliding header has all six of these elements um, listed, and you can click on them and and read more of like in you know written article format, um, and it might come out better than than me us speaking <laughs> sometimes. Um, so you can find more info there, and then um, we will also be diving into all of these topics and because they are our founding pillars or principles of um, our training methodology, we will be touching on these significantly more in future podcasts as they kind of are applicable to as we get into like our base builder training program and um, things to do with whatever time. What's the base builder program? Base builder program. So um, in case you didn't hear the last one. In case you didn't hear the last one. So the base builder program is what we've sort of come, I guess, to be known for um, at Weight Endurance. So this will be our 15th year we're heading into for the 2019-2020 offseason um, of just building one's base. So we have created, a, in our opinions, a great training program of incorporating the aerobic conditioning, the, the muscular strength component with weightlifting, all into a training program that people can do either in-house with us at Session 6 in Lakewood, Colorado, we get about 45 athletes a, a season um, that do the, the whole program with us. This year's program is um, tipping towards eight months worth because we actually bundled in some race prep stuff. But it's usually about a six-month program here in Colorado. And then we also have downloadable training programs and things off of our website via Training Peaks where you can do um, a base builder program as short as 12 weeks and as long as 24 weeks Um and uh, incorporate that into your off-season training program. And so we highly recommend you check those out. Um, so these podcasts, our goal here, intention is each week um, moving forward here through the fall and winter, is going to be touching specifically on kind of what we do within each week within our Base Builder program. So if you're following our program, um, and we have a remote Base Builder also, so um, you could get the exact program we're doing at our gym in, in Lakewood here, um, and follow along, like literally do the exact same workouts, the exact same days we're doing them. And that's what this podcast will kind of correlate and correspond to. Um, but even if you're not following our program and um, for whatever reason you like to hear us ramble on and talk about stuff, you will likely or hopefully gain a few interesting tidbits um, along the way to kind of incorporate into your own, own training. Um, so these first couple episodes of our podcast are very much practice and like getting us into a rhythm. <laughs> Um, I was criticized rightfully so in the, the last, the last podcast of maybe being too like robotic. It's shockingly nerve wracking just talking into a speaker by yourself or, or well, with he's your not with himself by himself. Right, That's exactly. the crazy part. I'm like, hello, I'm sitting next to you. I am your wife and your best friend. So right. have a conversation with me. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, I'm sure I'll get more comfortable and it'll flow better that way. But yeah, it's very, uh. We'll try to minimize the robotic nature of it all um, and get more get more fun. So um, let's just dig into it here. Okay. So our third or fourth principle, um, diet and nutrition. There's kind of two elements. Diet in our com- convo here is going to be um, related to kind of your daily diet. What what do you eat? 
Um, what should you not eat? That kind of thing. And then nutrition in this concept is going to relate to your sports nutrition or like your training and race day nutrition. So there's kind of like a two pieces here. Um, so we'll get into the diet part first. Um, well, disclaimer. Disclaimer. We are not dietitians. No, absolutely. We have no um, degrees in dietetic science. Right. We are not. I've taken a class in, oh. in, way back when okay. in nutrition. You're almost, think two classes, you're almost a licensed nutritionist then. <laughs> yeah, because you can call yourself that. I think so. Okay. But um, we have a good friend, Christine Zimmerman, who is a registered dietitian. So she's often who, to whom we refer people. Yes. Um, but this is just like our thoughts, our opinions, our our experiences with food. And we're very opinionated about food, as many people are. I guess so. We're, <laughs> we are opinionated. Um, I, I laugh when I look back at my college years. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. We had a typical diet at home, a lot of casseroles. My mom and dad <laughs> would grill meats and we'd have a salad. I mean, we actually ate pretty healthy. Okay. Although we had SpaghettiOs. Yeah. Um, bologna. Oh. Yeah, okay. you know, we we had some of that Midwestern stuff, and plus we didn't have that much money, so we just had to feed five kids. Right. I went to college, and I was really skinny. So if you know me, I'm five six, 125, long arms, long legs. Yeah. I just look like this Gumby. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> offense not taken. I'm just a string bean. I never thought I would gain weight, but went to college, hated the food, ate a lot of pizza, mm. three times a day. We still eat. Oh, yeah. Three, yeah no, lunch, we do three times a day. Lunch. Once a week. Dinner. Oof. And, and then we would order pizza around 9, 30, 10 because we weren't even thinking about going to bed and we were starving again. <laughs> nice. So I did gain the freshman 15 and it was a little shocking to everyone when I flew home for Thanksgiving. My cheeks on my face and my backside were much fuller. <laughs> um, so I struggled then for the next, I don't know, three or four years figuring out how do I eat healthy how, how do I do this? This was in the era of no fat. Remember that era? Oh, yeah. The the whole uh, no fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low the, fat. What were so. those those disgusting cookies in the snack wells snack in the green wells, box? Snack wells, right. So I remember going to the school cafeteria and making a sandwich and not putting cheese or mayonnaise on my sandwich because I was trying to be healthy. Fat free. Yeah. Fat free. And I was so stressed out about eating the fat. But then... Inevitably, an hour later, I was starving, right. starving, starving, starving. And so I did not lose weight. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing, I think, in the whole diet science over the last 20 years or whatever. Of like, I mean, it's shocking like how many things 20 years ago we thought was the way to do it. Yeah, and you still argue with your dad about? And still argue with my dad about, although he's come around big time. And then now, you know, yeah. it's different. You know, eggs were like horrible, you know, because you'll get high cholesterol and margarine was better than butter. Right. We grew up with blue I'm not exactly margarine. sure why that was better, but it's like we, for so many years, people were trying to outsmart nature. Well, and, and still nowadays you have all these eating um, plans with names to them. So we'll say we'll right at the start yeah. that like we don't advocate for any sort of plan. We don't have a name to if it. Your diet has a name to it. It's not really ideal in yeah, my opinion. Not good, but um, but we'll get into that. And yeah, along with that, it's like nutrition and diet and whatnot is a highly controversial, like and personal, personal, and people get very like attached to certain things and against certain things, and that's totally fine. Our intent here is to share kind of our beliefs and our anecdotal things of what have worked with for us and with the athletes we've coached and um, it's not saying this is the way you have to do it or the only way to do it and I'm sure there's other ways that are as good or maybe even better to do it but um, this is ours and you're listening to our podcast so we're gonna go <laughs> on about it um, and real quickly about myself since you shared some info oh, sorry I should have asked what do you, what do you think do about food no, yeah. it was good. Um, you grew up on Doritos and Dr. Pepper. Well, yeah, I had a, very much the teenager diet, um, and I got into cycling kind of late teenagers, 16, 17, um, and very quickly recognized that, yeah, it's hard to fuel a workout on Doritos and Pepsi, That at least a workout that's longer than, you know, 40 minutes maybe. Um, so I got very much interested in improving my diet, but again, it was during that whole fat-free craze back in the... When was it? The early 90s? Yeah, yeah through the 90s and whatnot. But um, but anyway, I eventually kind of turned the corner and cleaned up my diet and then ultimately figured out that I really enjoyed making food and 
kind of took this like sidetracked way through culinary school. Um, so I learned a lot about food and food preparation, but it also opened my eyes to like, wow, there's a lot of like really good base of food, whether it be like plants and animals and butter and dairy and all these things that are actually really good, but in my opinion, good for you and how to incorporate that into one's daily diet. And not be overwhelmed by how you do it. Yeah. 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 I think you, what you do for our family is just make some really simple and yummy things for us to eat and and we don't have to spend a lot of time in right. the kitchen because nobody nobody here wants to do that. Right. Yeah. Simplicity, in my opinion, is key because if it's like overly complicated, then who wants to do it? Um, so that's very important. Um, and as a side note, I think last winter we I tried starting this WTF win through food kind of blog post series, which I think that I only got two up, but we're going to work on that um, going into this winter. But it, yeah, it was very much surrounded around like simple meals that are extremely nutritious and healthful but easy to produce or uh prepare prepare yeah and 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 eat yourself and provide for your family and we'll you know over the coming months share more of those ideas um but uh but yeah that's that that's um let's dig into it so if we're talking about diet um we've already said a few things but i mean the general concept in diet is number one avoid diets that have any kind of name to them, whether whether they be paleo or zone keto or zone whatever or um, any of these types of things. Because when you have a diet with a name, what's happening there is you're inevitably you're restricting something somewhere or many things possibly. And I just we don't believe that's the way to go. You really shouldn't restrict well, it ca- anything. It really causes like emotional aggravation for people. And food should be enjoyed. Yeah, we we all have like baggage from our childhood about food, and some of it's serious, and you you need help with a therapist. But food should be enjoyed, bottom line. Right, and it should bring you health and joy. Um, so bringing a name into it can be ultimately very stressful. And I'd rather um, develop that internal sense of like, what does my body need? What what do I feel like? It have I had greens today? Do I need some nuts? Do I am I thirsty? Right, right, yeah, and listening to your to your body basically, yeah, and um, and not putting any restrictions, because inevitably you tell a human don't do this or don't eat this, and you're gonna want to do that or eat that, you know, and I just think you're just setting yourself up for a struggle in that sense. Um, so you know, essentially try to avoid diets with names on them, and instead focus on kind of two. Here's my two key things, or I guess our two key things is. Number one, very obvious. Everyone knows this. You just have to put it into practice, which is just eat less processed foods, right? Anything made in a factory, anything that comes in a box or a package, try to eat less and less and less of that kind of food. Um, And then on the flip side, we start replacing those items by eating more plants. Again, everyone kind of knows is getting this concept. Um, but the more f- vegetables and fruit you can eat and the less processed foods you can eat, kind of replace the process with the, the plants. And you're, you're more than halfway there. You're like three quarters of the way there in terms of an optimal diet. Absolutely. Cause then you have vitamins, minerals, fiber, which fiber is probably fiber Cody's day. favorite word. I love fiber, <laughs> fiber, fiber, fiber. <laughs> And we talk about poop a lot in our family. A lot of so, poop discussions. A lot of poop discussions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of things that grow from the ground, beans, yeah. potatoes, yeah, full of fiber, full of nutrition. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, plants are like the most important thing you should consume and like the bulk of your diet should be plants. And it can be a little overwhelming at first to like think about that, but after a while it's like... it it does just become natural and you start feeling better and, and you, yeah, you have, you have great poops. Basically. When you feel better when you have great poops. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can't it's argue It's kind that. of amazing. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't be afraid to talk about poop at home. You know, just, uh, <laughs> um, it's definitely sets you up for a good day. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> we digress. Yeah. 
Um, so again, along the lines of like the no special diets, you definitely want to include all of the macronutrients. So macronutrients, going back to whatever class in high school or college, you know, it's, you're talking about carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Those are your three macronutrients. And you want to include all of them. There's this crazy fad out there right now called keto, whatever, um, where you don't want to eat carbs. And I just think for endurance athletes, uh, well, let's say high, higher performance endurance athletes, you you have to eat carbs. It, it's like I bang my head against the wall when I hear athletes saying like they're trying to get fat adapted. And, and I know there's plenty of people out there that, well, I mean, what do we probably have 10 listeners maybe, so... There's a lot of people that don't <laughs> listen to us, but um, are, you know, all about this like keto thing of lo- low carbohydrates. And I think if you're going to be out doing something for 24 hours, like a hundred mile run or walk or whatever, like being able to like do it on fat is very doable. But if you're actually trying to like race a bicycle or even, you know, run or race a triathlon of any duration, you need the carbohydrates. So anything that like eliminates one of the three macronutrients, fat in the 90s, no bueno, carbs here in the 2000, almost 2020s, um, yeah, in my good. opinion, not not the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, we might have just freaked some people those. out, but that's, we're just not a fan of it. Yeah. Um, now that being said, they're periodizing your your diet um it was also more of a kind of a newer trend over the last uh, and more five, of an, like an advanced developed concept of yeah. what we're eating when we're eating it in yeah. relationship to our training so diet periodization periodization meaning like when and how much macros the kind of the ratios of when within a season or even a day in a training program that makes sense to me um and that has some some validity so that's certainly something you can do. You know, I, I like to look at carbohydrates as like a fuel source. Okay. So first of all, if you're basing your diet heavily around vegetables and fruit, vegetables and fruit are carbohydrates, right? Whether it be fiber, um, in, in the more of the vegetables typically, or in fruits, you get a lot of sugars, the plant sugars. Um, it's either way, it's carbohydrates and your body just needs those for fuel. Your brain needs carbohydrates to operate and your body needs carbohydrates, certain amounts of carbohydrates to operate optimally. And then beyond that, the additional carbohydrates are purely a a fuel source for whatever you're going to be doing that day activity wise. So if you're listening to this, you're probably a cyclist, you're probably an endurance athlete. Um, And so the more you're going to ride or train or whatever your activity the more carbohydrates you need to fuel that activity. Now, also think about the intensity. If you're going to be doing some high intensity intervals, you probably need more of like the sugary carbohydrates. If you're going to be doing a longer endurance ride, maybe you can eat more of like the whole grain, you know, more higher fiber carbohydrates. Um, and then also a little bit more fat as well is certainly doable. Um, well, I think about you during the winter when you're or like winter, spring, when you're doing your longer rides on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. we knew that was your long ride day because we'd wake up to the smell of waffles. Right. Yeah. Right. And we, okay. I Cody, love, I love going Cody's to bed. Cody's making waffles. Tuesday night. Cause I knew I could get up Wednesday morning. Uh, consume a lot of a waffles. A large amount of waffles. Right. Yeah. But then <laughs> Monday morning for another example. You'd be sizzling some eggs on the on the saute pan and maybe cutting up an avocado, maybe a few black beans because you were going to go lift weights and you didn't need all the... I didn't need the carbohydrates. The carbohydrates. Right. right. So the fat and the protein was more. So, um, per, yeah, great example of periodizing kind of on a daily um, structure for that. So so really think, get in the idea of thinking about your diet daily and just in, as an entire thing based around, you know, your training and what are you doing? You know, food is fuel. And if you know what you're going to be doing that day for activity, how much fuel, i.e. food you need, then you organize things accordingly. If you're going to train a lot, you're going to eat more. If you're not going to train much, then you eat less. And then you balance out those period uh, macros. Um, Yeah. Is that... Yeah, and I'm thinking about the way I do my life. Like, I do it a little differently than you because I don't usually want to eat eggs first thing in the morning. It's a little too much for my stomach. 
So I am a creature of habit. I have the same thing every single day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I wake up and have, well, first of all, we should plug some, uh, our love for water. Mm-hmm. So Cody got me on this kick and I've been trying to get my girlfriends to do this. And some of them have. Caitlin's okay. really excited about it. Um, standing by the sink, grab your vitamins if you're taking vitamins and we'll, we'll drink two large glasses of water. So yeah, about like 16 ounce. So glass. about 32 ounces of water at a time. And believe me, at first it was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I have a very short waist, small stomach. It was uncomfortable. It was sort of bloated feeling, but I worked up to the two glasses and now I don't even think about it. Just down the two glasses of water then I turn the coffee machine on and blah, 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 get my coffee. And I really love toast. You do love toast. I do. So I make two pieces of toast, slather it with butter, slather both of them with butter, honey. We we are so lucky to get honey from a local, a local person. It's delicious. Um, and then on one piece of the toast, I put peanut butter. Get a little fat. <laughs> a little fat and, yeah. and protein. So that's how I start my day, and then I make a pretty hearty fruit smoothie with yogurt, Greek yogurt, and um, sometimes some some whey protein powder as well. Yeah, Kathy's the smoothie queen. You yeah. have smoothies probably every literally day. Right? every morning. So yeah. um, Cody is kind of like the king of periodizing his workouts and changing what he's eating for that workout. But I just feel better eating the just same thing every day. I just feel better. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like I get a good a balance of whole grains with a toast, um, some fat and some protein with a butter and peanut butter, um, a little um, pleasure with the way I love toast with my coffee. Sure. And then the smoothie is just easy for me to, to drink, especially if I am coaching that morning. And Yeah, it's easy to make it and go. Yeah, make it and go, and I get lots of good fruits um, for the morning. Yeah, right. So again, you're following, you figured out what worked for you by going less processed and maximizing the well the fruits in this case although you'll yeah. do like spinach ones and sometimes things, but, yeah depends. But a lot of your morning ones are usually fruit based and yogurt um and if you're a creature of habit it's really okay i just find some good stuff to put in your belly that morning yeah and in all honesty yeah that that's a great kind of thing to mention is like diets don't have to be quite as in my opinion as varied as like maybe we think or maybe it's just me who thinks that but like, you can literally eat kind of this more or less the same thing every single day. Like, your breakfast can be more or less the same thing. Your lunch can be more or less the same thing. And dinner, if you find things that are healthful and work well for you, you know, I think, you know, you go back maybe even less than a century, but a century ago, it's like everyone and beyond, everyone more or less ate the same thing all the time. And there's still plenty of cultures today that eat whatever, Beans the same exact thing every yeah, day. for every meal. So. It doesn't have to be. We live in this like culture of abundance, I suppose, where we can get, you know, we can get ripe strawberries in February, which makes no sense, right? Or, or November because they come from South America or wherever, and indulge our desire to, you know, want to have strawberries, even though maybe we we shouldn't or don't at least don't need strawberries in November. I don't know. I, I'm kind of a fan of like eating what's seasonal and that some of that comes from my culinary school stuff of like picking things menus and whatnot seasonally and stuff but um i don't know where i'm exactly going with well, this yeah but, but it's like, just keeping it simple yeah keeping because it simple and, if you don't really love to cook which i do not like it can be overwhelming so don't get overwhelmed by um video you know vlogs and podcasts about all these fancy recipes. You don't you don't have to do that. You can right. keep it simple with you have your eggs and your avocado in the morning or your fruit smoothie and your toast and then go on to the next thing in a giant salad. And it can be pretty standard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and hydration that you touched on, that's a big big piece of it as well. I, I, like Kathy said, I'm a huge proponent of get those like 30 ounces, 32 ounces of water in like immediately upon waking up. I just feel like, well, number one, you you basically dehydrated yourself overnight. Ideally, we'll talk about this more in stress management, but hopefully you've slept at least eight hours, if not more. Um, And most of you probably just laughed out loud hearing that. But um, you've been breathing. We breathe, most people breathe pretty heavily while we sleep and you're just dehydrating yourself. So number one, you're waking up dehydrated. And then you want to like flush the body and just kind of like get it going. And what I find really interesting too is that a lot of times I'll wake up slightly congested in the mornings for allergies and it's probably just whatever dust it's and probably dander. probably a dog dander. Dog dander. And, you know, you have that, like, slightly stuffed up nose, sinuses kind of thing. 
and I'll wash my face, brush my teeth, all that kind of stuff, and then come down and get my two big glasses of water. Literally, upon completing drinking that second glass of water, it's like my whole body, my whole head at least, has like cleared itself out, and it's like I'm ready to start the day. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Like I didn't notice that at first, you know, when I first started doing the water thing several years back, but more so lately, it's like it definitely like just clears you out and you're ready to go. So hydrating is key, drinking throughout the day. You know, we'll go on, Sophia, um, our daughter, and I will sometimes go on these kicks of the gallon challenge and we'll carry around the, the gallon water jug every now and then mm-hmm. to kind of get ourselves to drink more. It but, is hard to um, remember during the day. That's yeah. why I like the two glasses in the morning. Yeah. If nothing else, I got that. Yeah, you get that. And I like to try to replicate it before lunch, like an hour before lunch if I can, but it doesn't happen that often. Um, but if I can, I have a much better afternoon. Um, but hydration in that sense is definitely key. Um, and then I would say the last piece of the diet for at least this podcast is just going to be about, um, not overeating. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's very common. I'm a huge culprit or is that the right word? Like I overeat quite often and I have to be really conscious about it and I can, control it like when I'm really focused like going into an a race and trying to chisel down to my race weight but my my natural inclination is because I love food and love eating is to eat too much and too large of portions like in one sitting right. whereas you well, are like the queen of well it's not because I'm a better person it, it is literally <laughs> physiological I have we've already mentioned the long limbs so I have long limbs and a super short waist my ribs touch my pelvis yeah I don't even know how, how I had room for babies in there. Like, there's barely any room. So I eat a small meal, and I'm stuffed, and then I might, I'm hungry an hour True. later. Yeah, which is, I think, better on the health side of things. Right. Sometimes it's, it's a little annoying. It's very annoying, actually. <laughs> for us, because we'll be going somewhere, and it's like, oh, I'm hungry again. It's like, oh, why didn't you just eat more? But I need you couldn't. Feed, I need a feed bag. Yeah, and so I, I don't know. It's probably the way we were raised. I think I, being raised went a long duration maybe between meals. So I was like trained subconsciously to stuff myself or something so I could make it to the next meal. I don't know what it was exactly, but I tend to overeat and I think a lot of people tend to overeat. And I think what's, you know, what's happening there is if you just have too much food go all in at once, like more than probably I would say 700 calories in a meal, once you get to that and above, it's like your body can't really process that and digest that efficiently and I think a lot of the extra the excessive amount just gets kind of one it probably causes all kinds of gastrointestinal distress and things get stored as fat mm-hmm. and whatnot well and, you're uncomfortable and you're uncomfortable yeah especially if this is like your dinner and you're gonna go to bed soon um that sort of thing so slow down yeah so slow down yeah. eat a little smaller meals no it's not your last meal that's oh, why I, I had to, to tell keep myself. telling Cody yeah. that <laughs> I'm gonna get to eat again um, um, with right. the exception of my big rides, I do kind of like to stuff myself because then I don't have to eat again until like hour three of the ride. But, you know, that could be argued if that's healthy or not. I don't know. Well, that's how you were trained in your 20s, so it's hard yeah, to stop that. for road, road racing, where you, you, it's hard to consume, yeah. All right, let's move on to the um, race or the training and the race nutrition. Yeah. Um, actually before that, I've got my do and do not list. Sorry, one more. Yeah, this won't take long, but, um, so some do's around diets. Um, number one, eat when hungry, right? So don't, um, think that like, oh, I can't eat lunch until 12 o'clock and it's only 1030, but I'm actually hungry. Like just eat when you're hungry. hungry. Listen to your body. Listen, exactly. Listen to your body. Um, eat close to nature. So that's basically like eat plants. You know, the least processed foods that you can get your hands on. Um, do maximize fruits and veggies. Um, way back when, my coach um, suggested that I try to eat 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day, um, which is quite a bit. Um, I do that pretty easily now, but this is when I was like a late teenager. And in doing so, one, I'm getting lots of micronutrients and fiber through that. and uh, But I'm also like filling my space up in my stomach and you end up kind of eating less. So it kind of helps you like trim down, but you're also more healthful. So long story short, just maximize plants, fruits and vegetables are your friend. Um, drink lots of water. 
Uh, we covered that. And then also eat small quantities or smaller quantities more frequently of right. food. Very good. Um, and then some do nots. Do not exclude any single food or food group. That is unless, I mean, if you have a legitimate allergy, listen to that. But if like you don't have an allergy um, or you're telling yourself you do, but you don't really, um, don't exclude Specific foods, food groups, macros. Right. So if, if one of our We Devo kids, Nate, is listening to this, <laughs> Oreos is a food group, Nate, so you're good. <laughs> Oreos is a food group. Yes, Nate loves his, his uh, Oreos. Um, do not follow a name diet. We covered that. You know, If your diet has a name, consider getting off of it. Um, do not overconsume animal protein. So whether or not you eat animals is totally up to you. Um, Kathy eats very few animal animal flesh. Oh, don't um, say it that way. I'll eat small amounts. I don't, you know, like think about eating it. I just eat it when I kind of want it, I guess. Um, well, that's what I do too. If I feel like I want to eat it, I'll eat it. Otherwise, I'll usually gravitate towards Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of prioritize it. So if I'm like more in a strength training build or something, maybe I'll like eat a little bit more like fish and chicken and stuff. Then when I'm more in like an endurance build, maybe a little less. I don't know, um, but I do know that there's a there are a lot of negative things that can come with a lot of animal meat, and especially how you cook it in excessive amounts. So even if you do enjoy eating animals, um, eat you know don't feel like you have it to eat it. It shouldn't be day. the largest thing on your plate. It shouldn't be the largest thing on your plate, and you actually don't have to eat it every day. Um, protein. And this might be a whole other topic, but you don't need as much protein as you as you think you need. Um, and there's other ways to get it that are more healthful, in our opinions. Um, we'll come back to that. We'll probably have Christine yeah, on the show. We'll and, do something on that. And talk to her. Um, and then the last one, which we, where he says, like, don't overeat. Um, so, again, eat small quantities more frequently. You won't overeat. So we'll call that good there. Um, we'll touch. We'll definitely do some more talks on, like, training nutrition and race day nutrition. But basically, touching on it, um, you know, there's there's before training, before race, like your pre-race meal. There's your during training activities, and then the, what do you do after training or racing? Um, essentially, it all comes down to carbohydrates because racing takes a lot of energy. Or training, workout. Training and racing, yeah, requires energy, which is calories, which should come mostly from carbohydrates. Um so what you eat before training and before racing will likely be similar. Um, and figuring out what that is for you can be kind of an individual topic, but um, definitely experimenting and figuring that out with more carbohydrate-rich foods um, before training and racing is ideal, um, with a little bit of fat and protein in there to give it a little staying power. Um, mid race like while you're training or while you're racing i personally believe you want to shift almost exclusively to carbohydrates um in the form of gels or drinks or bars whatever works for you and that has somewhat to do with how long your event is and how intense your event or your training session is um but yeah uh, we'll touch on that we'll definitely further in another podcast on that um but again carbs are your friend if you want to put power out um, and then lastly, finishing, you know, recovery, um, you know, there, it depends again, what it is you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish, but some protein is definitely proven to be helpful, um, as a recovery. Now, whether you need a manufactured recovery drink or you get it from like whole foods kind of depends on where you are in your season. Um, I would say as a general rule of thumb, if you're in more of that non-competitive time of the year, try to get those post-training, post-race meals, um, more from a whole food base, I would say. And then when you get more into your competitive season where you're under higher loads of stress and whatnot, then you can turn more towards like a manufactured recovery drink, um, you know, that's like a little more scientific and whatnot. I think the takeaway here is that post-race, let's specifically talk about races, you finished a really hard cross-country style mountain bike race. You need to get um, some kind of drink inside of you. It could right. be a Coke. could be... Uh, First yeah, thing, uh, sugars, yeah. Yeah, you need some some sugar replacement uh, for many, many reasons. But it 
like resets your adrenal glands and and helps you recover better. Right. And it's okay then to have a Coke or yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mountain Dew, gross, but just something to replenish what you just expended in that race. Right. And then if you can follow that up um, with something with some protein and more carbohydrates um, is, is better as well. And then eventually within three hours having more of like an actual meal. Right, right. But uh, but yeah, that, that, and we'll definitely dig into this more when we get in our base builder program into like higher intensity training that kind of recovery kind of food and also how to fuel within the, the workouts themselves. Um, all right. So we'll move on to, um, element number five, which is, uh, stress management. So this one is super critical. Um, and I think the way, the easiest way to kind of conceptualize this is breaking stress into, you have like the stress that's involved with your training. That's the most obvious and applicable here, right? You go do a hard interval session, you're applying stress, an overload of some sort, and you have to recover from that to get better, right? To make improvements. So your training stress is is easy to quantify and identify. And then the other side of the training or the other side of the stress comes from um, like your life stress, Okay, and this is going to be different for everyone. Some people have more stressful lives than others, but everyone has stress in their life. Um, so both com- get combined into like the overall stress of your life and how well you're going to be able to recover, how well you're going to do your next workout, how well you're going to be atten- attentive to your kids or your spouse, and etc. So managing these le- these stress levels throughout your life and your day um, is super critical to enhancing your performance. Um, so this is something that needs to be kind of learned and figure out some strategies on what to do. Um, and you can break stress down into kind of two, like a chronic and an acute stress level. So two different kind of, uh, areas of stress, I guess. Um, chronic being kind of like the overall big picture that's like accumulating over weeks, months, um, and so on. Where, and then acute is more of like the the daily loading of the stress. And that can, again, both be training-wise as well as, like, life and stress. Um, so what are some examples of the chronic stress? Yeah, so some chronic stress. Um, on the training side of things, it's all about, you know, your, like, monthly training blocks of training. So as you – let's look at a season as a whole – you know, you typically coming off of like a little rest period at the end of your last race, then you start gradually progressing your training um, upwards and a piling on gradually is the keyword more and more stress and building this chronic kind of stress load. You have to apply that stress to get the training adaptations and gain fitness. But if you do it too rapidly um, or for too long, then negative things start to happen. Um, then on the life side of things, yeah, the chronic life stress, yeah, the chronic life stress can be, um, you know, what are, what's stressful in life, right? Like, uh, if you're a parent, kids are extremely stressful. Um, there's no getting around that. Um, you know, whether, and there's different kinds of kid stress, right? There's, if you have a young kid that's like pre-teenager. Well, a baby, they're baby, keeping you up all night. Baby's keeping you up all night. Then you have like that pre-teenager, you know. Right. Just stuff. <laughs> stuff. There's and then when you get to teenager, on. it gets like more serious and more like yeah. consequential if they make bad choices or whatever. So you have to like, uh, you're worrying about deal them with that. all the time. Yeah. You're worrying about them. So there's lots of stress there. Then if you have, you know, a job of any kind, there's stress, but certain other, you know, certain jobs have more stress than others. You know, if you have to travel a lot or if you have like just deadlines of whatever, you know, or maybe you're going through like a life situation, you are moving or you are getting divorced moving yeah divorces deaths of friends and family i mean so those all fall under the category of chronic or is that acute those would be kind of well i guess it could be either one yeah. but it sort of tallies into the big picture the of, big picture of things yeah of things putting you down exactly exactly and school same same deal right because we have the weedy boat kids and they're going through finals, yeah. and they finals have an orchestra practice. Yeah, or their, tra- a their training goes way down on finals week, right? Because finals week is super stressful. So we not eliminate, but we reduce their training significantly. So because as one as life stress goes up, training stress has to kind of come down. 
And when your life stress kind of is able to come down, you can boost up your training stress. You know, they, it has to balance out that way. Um, well, here might be a good time just to mention that we, we are all our own person. We're very individual, how we're put together with our personality. Mm-hmm. And some of us are more prone to being an anxious person. I fall in the, into that category. Very, yeah, very, just very anxious and worrisome. I worry a lot by nature. Yeah. And then you are a very chill, calm guy. So if any of our our friends are listening to this, they already know that. Our kids know that. Um, so Cody, you've been really helpful for me just number one, to help me process things and work through my anxieties and worries about life and kids and job. And also to see that stress is stress, which is what you just said. Stress is stress. It doesn't matter if I'm stressing about um, my kids and their choices as teenagers or if I'm exhausted because I did a five-hour bike ride. Stress is stress. And if I am stressed about my kids, then I probably am not going to have the energy to do the five-hour bike ride. Right. So you got to trim that back. Get through whatever the life stress is, and then you can reload up on Right. So it's okay to say no to a workout that is put on your schedule by your coach because you are physically exhausted and you know you'll probably get sick if you go do that workout. Right. And that's probably one of the biggest benefits of anyone having like a coach that, um, you know, because life happens, right? And, and being able to adapt and adjust things accordingly. I mean, you can write a training plan out, a perfect training plan that's you know, however many weeks long, but if something comes up big and you got to be able to adjust it, um, and that that's where I think having a, a coach is the most benef- beneficial. And if you're coaching yourself, following a training plan or whatever, you just have to give yourself permission. Yeah, give yourself permission to like back off the training if things in life are getting complicated, and then maybe when life settles down, you can kind of push up the training a little bit and that sort of thing. Um, so some, so quickly, here's just some things you can, to help you sort of deal with, um, stress, I guess, chronic stress in this case. And, um, again, we'll touch on the stuff as we get further into our base builder program. And, you know, as the intensity of our base builder program ramps up after the new year in particular, we'll talk about specifically how to, you know, manage that stress. And so you're getting the most out of that stuff. But in general, um, first and foremost, um, sleeping is the biggest. Um, I mean, our bodies repair and heal themselves and adapt to training and recover from stress while we are asleep. Um, right. And getting yes, more sir. sleep is sleep is huge is really where it's at. I mean, I would say eight hours would be like the minimum anyone should shoot for and like nine's better and it's going to sound crazy, but at 10, which may be impossible for some, even once a week, if you can get 10 or something, you know, the more, the better essentially. Um, but it's just, so we just struggle so much hearing from our athletes that, you know, six hours a night is like good for them. And we're just like, no, that is not good (laughs) yeah (laughs) and things need to be adjusted you got to figure out why if you're a six hour sleep six hour night sleep person you got to take a moment and figure out why is that like you know what's going on here what and how to cut some things out to make room for more sleep because that's really essential yeah Uh, yeah. we're like the sleep nazis and our kids (laughs) get very sick of hearing about it our kids hate it um i've literally never stayed up all night except for the two nights i (laughs) birthed babies i never once stayed up all night in college really that's impressive it made, made me sick i couldn't do it yeah i, I, was, I did once or twice yeah i, did no, not, I couldn't do it i was the kid I mean, at, you, yeah. at sleepovers that i was in bed by one or two and screaming at everyone to be quiet it's <laughs> <laughs> a real party animal right um yeah and that's how we are today even it's like our kids laugh at us how early we go to bed but part of that's because i know or we know I know I can't really sleep past like seven o'clock anymore. Sadly, that's just the way it is. So, um, and usually I, it's earlier than that. So I know I got to go to, if I'm going to be, my body's going to wake up at six thirty. I know count backwards. I need to be in bed by nine thirty at the latest. So you can wind down and fall asleep. Yeah. If not earlier and to make it happen. And so you just have to figure out how to get that done, I guess. Yeah. I think we probably just lost people they turned us off because <laughs> they thought there's no way i can get more than six hours but we're, we're not trying to be dogmatic too much but just encourage you to really think about how you can get more sleep you need more sleep everybody needs more than five or six hours of sleep yeah and if you really sit back and look at your life and see what you could trim out what you could do a little more efficiently what you could do without you could probably squeeze that a little bit more and even if you're a six hour night guy or, or gal 
get to six and a half and then try to get to seven and just try getting a little bit more, basically. Um, another big one is diet nutrition, which we just talked a whole bunch about, but having a good diet helps you manage your stress because a more healthful diet, um, your body just functions better, you'll sleep better, um, all those sorts of things. So diet and, and, and nutrition is, is super key for stress management. It's going to keep you healthier. You're going to avoid illness, those sorts of things. Um, relaxation techniques, um, things like meditation, maybe yoga, like light yoga, um, just light stretching um, is something we often do probably four or five nights a week before bed while just kind of winding down with a silly mindless um, TV show or something. Yeah, and then for me, I need to read for about 20 minutes. Reading, yeah. I, I shouldn't have forgot. Yeah, reading is key. Well, that's a relaxation technique. Yeah. I mean, get in bed and, um, you know, a half hour before maybe you want to be asleep and read and, um, you know, get off the computer screens and phone screens and stuff and read. And that that always makes me fall asleep. So, um, And then just simply laughing more. Um, there's studies that show, you know, people that laugh more just hand they're healthier and they handle stress better and um you know there's a lot to that so if you can't you know watch or read funny things hang around people that are funny and entertaining and you want to be around that make you laugh um and then likewise avoid people that make you angry (laughs) um um, that um and then more on the acute side of things kind of the daily um things you know that would handle more of the acute load of stress. Uh, number one, following a progressive training program, one that's smart in, in the sense that it starts low and easy and gradually builds, includes recovery time, those sorts of things will help really manage that acute stress that gets applied via training. Um, likewise, recovery nutrition, which we kind of touched on a little bit, you know, eating the right foods after your workouts um, helps deal with like your hormone levels and keeps cortisol levels down and um, helps you recover things like, uh, massage and manual manipulation, like from physical therapists and chiropractors can help relieve, um, stress and keep you kind of healthier and your body functioning a bit better. Um, stretching, foam rolling, foam rolling kind of all, that's sort of like a relaxation technique as well. Um, works really well. It feels good. It helps your body relax. Yeah. And it makes you slow down and I mean, most of the time you sit down or lay down to stretch and foam roll and um, that sort of thing. And then lastly, like compression, you know, there's no scientific evidence that that helps, but um, it does, it can feel good. Right. Whether it's clothing or like the compression boots or whatever. Um, Again, yeah, it makes you sit. Well, the boots make you sit in one place because you can't really walk around. Um, And uh, just be, helps you kind of relax more and all that kind of stuff. So, um just some good little things. And again, we'll we'll get more into some specific stuff later on down the podcast series. Um, I guess the big go. takeaway is stress is stress. How can you reduce stress in your life that's not training stress? Obviously, you want to do training to become a better athlete. Um, and Im- implementing some of these techniques, like a good friend or massage, good diet, they can just help relieve some of the, the acute stress. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's move on. Number six is our sixth and final um, kind of element of maximizing your fitness. And this one is uh, the mental side. Mental fitness is what we like to call it. Um, so this is a big one. This is one that also is can be hard to put into place, um, some of this stuff. But it makes massive differences if you can get a handle on it. Um, there's two kind of – we break it into two – Parts. So sort of a, the preparation side of mental fitness, which is a lot of the like planning of your training program and your season and those sorts of things. And, and then also like imagery before an event, self-belief, that sort of thing. And then there's the competition side, like in competition or in training side, um, where we're dealing with like alter egos and staying focused and willingness to suffer and having mantras um, while you're suffering in there. And um, this is something that Kathy is amazing at, especially the in-competition side. In fact, I would say, generally, I'm probably the king of the preparation side, like the goal-setting management side of things to mm-hmm. keep keep things focused and low stress. And then you're kind of the queen of 
like dealing with the pain that's to come and how to get through. Well, we've helped <laughs> and, like motivation. Well, I think I we've helped each other on, yeah. on both of these because because you're such a good planner and and you've prepared me yourself and our athletes for the race. There is less stress going into it. Um, you, we we know that we've planned, we, we've done all the training we could for that race. And so there is a sense of relief there. And then you're always so great about letting me talk through my anxiety about that certain event anyway. Um, but I do feel like I've helped you find that alter ego and that badass side so you can put it into play for the race day. Like, come on, let's do it. Ugh. Right. Um, and I grow my mustache. Yeah, yeah. If anyone has seen his really cool... Big mustache. Fu Manchu, Fu Manchu kind of mustache. That's my that's my peaking mustache. So if you ever if you see me normally, I don't have any facial hair. I stay relatively clean shaven. But then when I'm peaking and getting ready for a big race, I grow oh, yeah. up the Fu Manchu. It's like the chia pet. <laughs> that's like my takes about two weeks, um, and um, then I know like I'm ready to go. That's like, yeah, because I think you're such a like a kind, mild natured person. Um, just by nature that it's hard for you sometimes to tap into that inner fierce tiger. I sound super cheesy right now, but like that warrior, that tiger, that, that maniac out there yeah. in the course. And when you grow that mustache, it helps you. Right. Right. So that's a great example of that alter ego competition side of mental fitness. Um, so let me take a step back and go the, the preparation side of mental fitness or things like goal setting, which we'll definitely do an entire podcast kind of surrounding how to do that and why to do that. Um, but that's super critical, um, just setting up your whole season um, and picking your races and setting goals and sort of that way. That way your mind is fully engaged in what it is you're going to do. It makes it easier to get up out of bed and do your training sessions, you know, at five in the morning before work or whatever and um, and that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> then alongside with other prepara- preparatory types of mental fitness is that you know, planning race strategies, and we'll have a whole topic on that, and as well as like imagery and visualization of races. So all those kind of bundle under mental fitness on the preparatory side. Um, And then the competitive side of things is, like you said, developing that alter ego. Um, And there's a really good book written by Xterra athlete Leslie Patterson. Well, her husband, too. And her husband, um, Simon Marshall. Um, What was it? The Brave Athlete? The Brave Oh dear, we're plugging oh, a we book we can't remember. <laughs> but it's really good. Look up Simon Marshall, and you'll find yeah, you'll find it. It's a really good book, and we got to hear him. And they're really speak great people as yeah. well. And she has her alter ego, Patty McSomething. McGinty. She's, she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, find yeah find that uh, alter ego for yourself, and it will definitely help. And if that feels awkward or clumsy for you, you don't even have to tell anyone. You can just think it. Right, right. Yeah, you don't have to grow a mustache. Um, which is probably good for some of you guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what about, too, like willingness to suffer and kind of like having mantras to keep yeah, you Yeah, I think engaged. some of us more naturally can suffer um, without having mm-hmm. to plan for it. That may sound weird, but I, I just can. Like I grew up running. I think if you grew up as a runner, it definitely helps. And our daughter, Sophia, grew up running, and it, it she just got used to being uncomfortable. Yeah. Running um, is, yeah, right, so, suffer from the get-go in running. <laughs> and kind of a side note, but I did natural childbirth for my three kids. I was willing to suffer knowing that it was actually better in the long run for me and the babies. There's like a big picture. So willingness to suffer is something you can just have, but you can cultivate it. Um, and like talking through what does, what does it mean? Um, or it, is it dangerous to suffer? I mean, sure. At a certain point, but I think some people stop the, the pushing in a race because they're afraid like, Oh my gosh, this hurts so badly. This can't be good. No, it's okay. It's okay. And I think what people need to remember is that the regret after a race of mm-hmm. not having pushed yourself is usually far more painful than the, the pain in the moment. Yeah. And I, I, even though Cody caused me the queen of suffering and, oh my gosh, she's so good at this. No, I can think of a handful of races where I didn't. And I'm still mad about it. <laughs> like, ah, oh, why, why did I hold back? Why didn't I go with that girl when she took off? And regrets, regrets. They just suck. So no regrets. Be willing to suffer. Find a mantra. 
Um, Sophia, my daughter, who's 16, and I have this thing we say to each other, and it's it has a bad word in it, but we, we, we say to each other before a race, you're a mother effing badass. And it, that's probably a little unusual for a mother to say to her kid. Um, but we both want to embrace this race like crazy, and we need a little bit of motivation to remember like we are awesome and don't be intimidated by the other person who looks like a badass at the start line because maybe you'll beat them. And um, they have their doubts and they have their insecurities about racing too. And remember who you are and you are a badass. You train very, very hard and you can do this. Right. No regrets. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are really good about it. I get really excited about this topic. Yeah. It's a great. Well, it's just like, it's the worst when you finish, finish a race and you realize you didn't go as hard. You could have gone, done more. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. It's not a good feeling. And it lasts so long. I mean, unless you, are lucky enough to race the next day maybe and you do really well but in general it usually lasts there's some time between right so you get to try it again and all that but something else i'll throw in there though is and as we work with these we debo kids that you don't have to be mentally tough yet this is a process just like training is a process you're gonna get stronger every year the more bike sessions and strength sessions you do your nutrition's a process especially if you were raised with some interesting ideas and you're trying to switch out the way you eat. The mental aspect of training and racing is is a process. You may have failures, right, where you don't go with somebody and you hold back and you don't give everything and you're mad at yourself. Okay, you know, reevaluate that after the race. Talk about it with your coach, with your friend, with your spouse, and then do your best to have a stronger mental game the next race. Yeah. It is a process. You don't have to be perfect at the beginning. Absolutely. And you're going to have so many glitches along the way. And it takes a long time. Yeah. But Just like the physical training takes years. The mental training does. It does. Too, to get a handle on that. Good. Well, I think that'll kind of wrap it up here. We're closed. We're kind of running out of time. So let's, um, let's wrap it up. So those were our six elements of kind of that session six. That's, that's where we came up with the, the six. Um, to kind of recap, it's aerobic conditioning, um, muscular strength, and skill proficiency. Those are the three kind of on-bike, in-training ones we covered in episode two, the one prior to this, and then the ones we just covered, four, five, and six, which was diet, nutrition, stress management, and mental fitness. And, you know, per the individual, some people are better at some of the six, better than others, um, and so on. But if you can kind of identify your strengths and weaknesses and kind of shore up the weakness, weaker ones and um, kind of maintain the stronger ones, in theory, you know, you'll evolve into a more complete athlete and kind of maximize your own individual performance. That's kind of the idea behind um, our whole like philosophy. So, um, so give, those, give those some thoughts, see what kind of where you think you might lie um, in each one of those six elements. And we'll pretty much all our discussions and talks around training will incorporate one or more usually more um of those elements within the discussion so it's kind of the the underlying philosophy and principles of everything so um we'll leave it at that Um, thanks for listening yeah thank you for listening our base builder just to do a little plug um our base builder program for 2019 and 2020 officially begins the last week of august which is coming up here soon uh 2019 and um we start with a eight-week strength training block and then go into um, two more eight-week blocks with um, uh, cycling training and strength training and then get in by – the concept is by spring you're really fit. Um, so if it sounds like something you're interested in, check out our website, endurance.session6.com. And um, if you live in the Lakewood, Colorado, Denver area, um, you could join us in person. We still have a few spots left. Um, I think in each class we have a noon class, um, and it's two afternoon classes. And, um, I think we've got about two, two or three open spots in each class still. So we're getting near full capacity, but then we also have our remote base builder program. So if you don't live nearby or the class times or whatever don't work for you, you can join us remotely and we give you the training program online via training peaks and some spreadsheets. And it includes all of the strength training, all the testing we do in-house if you have a smart trainer at home, and all the workouts. And um, and then each of our weekly podcasts that are to come here will kind of address each, kind of the highlights of each week of what we're doing in the training program. So it's kind of a fun thing to follow along um, with our remote base builder program as well. 
And then also we have just stock training plans that have just the strength training piece, if you're interested in that, just the cycling piece or all of it. Um, just look up the base builder plans in our website. So um, endurance.session6.com. And uh, we'll leave you there. We're going to come back uh, next week with... Um, what do we? I think we're going to dive in a little bit more specifically about the base builder program as sort of an overview, so you get a better idea of how to structure your off-season um, base building and how to incorporate cycle cross if you're doing that, um, and also just enjoy the fall riding as well as you, before we get into winter. So, all right, um, I think we nailed that That's one pretty it. good. We'll call it good. Talk to you next time.